right. Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so uh, do you want to pass around the connection books? Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's do that. Why not? <laughs> All right, and if kids want to head out to Reach Kids, they can do that now. All right. And off we go. All right, so uh, we are walking through the life of Peter, the life of Peter, seeing how, how Peter related uh, to Jesus. Hopefully, so that as we follow Jesus and we, as we walk with him, uh, we might kind of walk in the same way. That he, he sets a pattern for us in how we relate to Jesus. Now, today we're looking at probably the most definitive passage about Peter. Um, this is his turning point. This is where he actually becomes Peter. Before he was Simon, by the end of the story, he is Peter. He is the rock of the church. This is... Uh, kind of his, his profession of faith, this is where he changes once and for all. And in the, kind of the history of the church, this has always been a passage that, for the most part, has been exclusive to Peter. It's true of Peter uh, that it, it doesn't relate to us as much. I think in that we're missing something. We're missing that what, what transforms Peter, his, his faith in Jesus, is true of us as well. That as we come to know Jesus as he actually is, we in turn are transformed into someone different that we were not before. That just like Peter, our names change, our, our roles in the kingdom change, and our, our authority to bring people into the kingdom changes as we come to know Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, uh, we are going to look at Matthew 15, verses 13 through 20. No, it's Matthew 16, excuse me. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Quiet, Randy. We got that wrong last, last uh, service, so we'll correct it this time. Uh, so turn there with me, and we'll read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... What, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Let's pray. Father, we... We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you reveal yourself uh, in him and you also reveal to us who he is. And Father, I ask that you would give us eyes to see Jesus and that as we see him, we may be transformed, that we would not be the same people that we were before we saw him, but that like Peter, we would be um, forever changed. Father, would you create in us a uh, a joy in knowing Jesus and in, and in sharing him with others, that he may receive all the glory. And we pray in his name. Amen. 
All right, so the disciples, they have been, they've been following Jesus for some time. We already saw a long time ago, Peter was called. He was called to, to walk with Jesus. But now Jesus is ready to, to ask the, kind of the most important question. But he, he starts it with a preface, verse 13. When he came into the district, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So the Son of Man was intentionally used by Jesus as this kind of mysterious term. People weren't sure what, what it was supposed to mean. Who was this Jesus? And they say, some have say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All right, that seems to be the consensus. This consensus is that Jesus is one of, the, of a multitude of guys who came to speak about God. That he's a prophet. And throughout history, there have been lots of prophets. People speaking about God. There's been other, other religions that have their own prophets. And if Jesus is just a prophet, he's just another person in a line of many. One more person talking about God. And even today, that, that seems to be the consensus about Jesus. That he was someone who, who, who said nice things about God. Maybe he was right or not. Um, he had some good teachings in there. But that's pretty much the extent of it. All right. But then Jesus asked the second question. The second question is actually shows that the first question was just a, was kind of a test. It was a, it was a line in the sand. That, okay, you can, they can say whatever they want. They can say what they want. Uh, it actually doesn't even matter. Because whatever they say, this is the important question. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And even, even those in the church, we can spend so much time talking about the people out there. And we'd say that the, the law applies to them, that, that Jesus sh should, should encounter them. But no, he starts, he starts with you. That the most important question is, is, who do you say that I am? And that's where we try to keep things kind of esoteric and philo philosophical up here when, when really it's about you and Jesus. Who do you say that he is? Now, Jesus doesn't ask that from the very beginning. He, he called Peter a long time ago. And Peter has had time to, to walk with Jesus, to hear his teachings, to see his miracles, to, to figure out who this guy actually is. And that's where some of you might not be ready to answer that question, who is Jesus? Maybe you, you actually kind of have only heard what other people have said about Jesus. You've never actually read it. You've never actually looked into it. But sooner or later, sooner or later, Jesus is going to ask you the question, who do you say that I am? And so Peter, he's, he's, he's seen Jesus walk on water. He himself has walked on water. We've seen him gather thousands of fish from the sea at the word of Jesus. We've seen him heal. We've seen him give sight to the blind, give hearing to the deaf, make the lame walk, the dead rise. And so Peter, gathering all of this together, he comes to his conclusion as to who he personally thinks that Jesus is. Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that is a very good answer to the question. That is a very good answer to the question. Now I want to break that down for us. There's two things here. There's the Christ and the Son of the living God. So first of all, 
What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ. All right, in case you are confused, Christ is not Jesus' last name. All right, Jesus Christ. Uh, we, say it, we say it like that, that we kind of just throw on the Christ a lot. Um, and most of us haven't really thought much about what that actually means. All right, so there, uh, Christ is the same word as Messiah. You might hear that too. Same exact term. It means anointed one, anointed one. So what would they do? They would, they would come over and they'd pour oil on you. And that was a way of cleansing you, setting you apart. You are now a special person because you had oil poured all over you. All right. That's a great greasy way of, of setting you apart. And there's two kinds of people who are anointed in the Bible. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. Those are the anointed people. Those are the people who are set apart, who are special. And when Peter says that Jesus is the Christ... He says that Jesus is the ultimate king and the ultimate priest. The final king and the final priest. Now as king, as king, the Christ would come and establish his kingdom. And he'd be the final kingdom, the eternal kingdom, the perfect kingdom. And it would drive out Satan, it would drive out death and sin and evil itself. And it'd be a perfect kingdom of joy and peace and hope. And he'd be unshakable. That Jesus is that king. Alright, second. Jesus is the anointed and final priest. And he offers a sacrifice that is the final sacrifice. That there is this barrier between God and man because of sin. And Jesus definitively once and for all destroys that barrier. There is now no guilt, no shame. Sin is not just washed away. It is, it is taken away. It is expunged completely as far as the east is from the west. That's what, Jesus, that's what Peter is saying when he's saying that Jesus is the Christ. Alright. How that relates to you and I. If Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is not just one among many. And we're done waiting for another one. That's where the, the people are saying, the, the crowds are saying, okay, yes, Jesus is, is one more person, but we're waiting for something else. We're constantly waiting for something else. We're waiting for someone. We're waiting for something better. All right, at some point, the final one comes. And that's Jesus. That's what Peter's saying, that, no, we're done waiting. That actually our hope has come. Our joy has come. Our Savior has come. The last one we'll ever need. And if you're saying that Jesus is the Christ, then your life should say that you're not waiting for someone else. You're not looking for the next thing. You're not looking for someone else to, to finally come and change your life. No, he already has come. He is Jesus. You have found him. All right, it's the difference between dating and then finding the one you're going to marry. At that point, you stop looking. You settle down, you get married, and you're done. All right, that's what it means to see Jesus as the Christ and not just as another prophet, as another person, another one out there. All right, in the same way, then, he's, he's more than just the Christ. He is also, he's also the son of the living God. The son of the living God. All right, I, I feel like I've heard that so much that I'm kind of bored with it. That yes, okay, Jesus is God, fine. Um, let's move on. But, all right, we need to like kind of 
breathe some new life into this. All right, so Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is God. All right, Jesus is one of the, he's the only person of the religious faith who actually came saying he was God. Now, all the other people, they, they said they were prophets. They said they were prophets and, and they'd be right to say that because they didn't claim to be God. They said, oh no, I, I have, I've been given secrets about God, but I'm not, I'm not him. All right, it's crazy that Jesus would say this, and it's even crazier that people would believe it. All right, can you imagine, can you imagine trying to convince your own mother that you are God? All right, it, you would have had to keep up the act for a really long time. And like Ben, oh, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm like all-knowing and infallible, perfect and holy in all, all matters, like... Most of you are not going to convince your mothers. All right. All right. So uh, then, then we have our, our siblings. Who's going to be less likely to think that you are God than your brother or your sister? All right. They know far more than your mom knows. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to get further with my mom than with my brother in this debate. All right. But, but. Jesus convinced them that his mother, that he was God, his brothers, his own brothers, that he was God. All right, that's a big deal. And remember the God we're talking about. We're talking about the great I am. The great I am we were singing about earlier. That the mountains shake at his voice. That is so holy and beautiful and perfect that angels surround him shouting about how glorious and holy he is day after day after day, second after second, because if they gather enough holy, then maybe they'll get close to who he actually is. This is one who created all things, who is the source of, of all joy, all everything that is good. And who also, he, he hates sin, sees it perfectly in every heart. He knows us exactly as we are. This is the God who created the laws that we talked about a, a month ago. These laws that, that are perfect and are beautiful that we cannot keep. That is Jesus. When we read about God in the Old Testament, we often say, oh, we, we act like he's just God the Father. No, Jesus is there. Jesus is there as the Son of God that when, when creation happened, Jesus was there. He was the word through which all things were created. That in the miracles, Jesus is there. That whenever we talk about God, we... we we're not just talking about the Father, we're talking about the Son as well. That is Jesus. And we see in, in this, the Christ, the 100% human, and God, the 100% God, combined in this one person, Jesus Christ. One person in Jesus. Alright, that's who Peter says that Jesus is. Alright. Alright. We have to answer this question. Who do you say that I am? And it's not, not who does your spouse say that I am? Who does your mom say that I am? Who does the church say that I am? It's, it's personal with you and Jesus. Who do you say that I am? And you have to answer that question because if you don't answer that question, you answer it anyway. You answer the question with, well, you're not someone even worth thinking about. 
it doesn't even matter who you are, then of course you're not. You must not be God. You must not be the Christ. You're no one. This question will, will change everything. And when Peter answers this question as he does, everything does change. Everything changes. That Peter will never be the same. In fact, he will become Peter. He, he wasn't even Peter before. All right, so what happens? What happens when we say that Jesus is, is God and is the Christ? It's nice because it's actually, Jesus is telling Peter who, who he is. We're often told who we are. And it's probably, it's not, it's not a great experience to be told who we are. But this is Jesus saying, okay, because you believe in me, this is who you are, Peter. And in turn, this is who, who we are as believers. So first, verse 17. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So because he knows who Jesus is, he is blessed. He is blessed because the Father has given him this knowledge, has sent it down from heaven and given it to him as a blessing. Now, why did it take, why, did it, why, does, why does Jesus go there? Why does Jesus assume that, okay, this must have happened by God implanting it in you from, from heaven? All right, we talk about sin a lot. We talk about sin a lot because we are, we are sinners and we'd sin a lot. So we have to talk about it. All right, sin is so bad that it messes up even the way you think. Even the way we think about things. So have you ever gotten in an argument? And you knew from the start that you were wrong. And, it, and, and the person you're arguing with, they just keep, keep mounting evidence that you're wrong. And you just get more wrong and more wrong. And what do you do? You just, you get more convinced that you're right. Maybe you even recognize that you are wrong. And you keep arguing. And digging the hole more and more and more. I have one friend I, I, I do this with. Uh, He's coming next week and you'll meet him. Um, we're arguing about if ants could feel pain. I don't know why, you know. And uh, he'd actually done the research and like knew that they didn't. Um, but I was, I was convinced they were because I'd used my micro, micro uh, what's that called? Magnifying. Magnifying glasses on them before. And I like felt like I should feel bad about it. But he was telling me I shouldn't. Um, and so we were arguing about this. And like, <laughs> I refused to give up the argument. And at the end he just said, you know you're wrong, right? Like, yes, I know I'm wrong, but I, I won't admit it. All right. This happens on also, like, a cosmic scale. So our sin prevents us from saying who Jesus actually is because we don't want to see it. We do not want God to be standing in front of us. We don't want to answer to him. And for us to actually admit that this is God, this is the Christ, uh, has to just, God has to open our eyes to see that truth. He has to overcome our sin and our blindness, and he has to give it to us. Now, if you don't believe this, then um, ask that God would give it to you. But if you do believe this, recognize it as a blessing. It is a gift from God. And it's actually the greatest blessing that God can bestow upon us. To 
to know Jesus, to, to receive him as the Christ and as God. Now, why is this such a blessing? Why is this such a blessing? All right, so you, could, you can be your own king. You can be your own king. You're, kind of be, you're going to be a terrible king, though. And you're going you're to rule your kingdom in a terrible way and ruin your life. But instead, we have Jesus come, and he gives us his law. And he invites us into a kingdom that is not our own, that is his. And where we can have eternal significance and purpose and have a relationship with the king. All right, Jesus invites us to have him as a priest. That we can try to be our own priest, but we're sinners and we do a really bad job of it and, and we can't get close to God. Or we can have a mediator who, who cleanses us perfectly, who washes us clean, who takes the sin away and, and removes it forever. That we never need another priest because we are perfect in Jesus. It's a blessing to know him. It's a blessing to, to get to talk to this God on a one-on-one -on -one basis because we're not scared of him anymore. Because Jesus has come. All right. Does your life say that knowing Jesus is a blessing? Is this great joy? Is the greatest gift that God could bestow upon us? Or is it just one of those gifts that we, we say thank you and we like put on the shelf or put in our drawer and never really look at again? Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy the blessing of knowing him. All right. Second. Second, Jesus says that because he knows Jesus now, he is different. His fundamental identity has changed. His name has changed. He is not the same person anymore. Verse 18. And I tell you, I tell you, so you told me who I was, now I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Simon Barjona, because of his faith in Jesus, he becomes Peter. Which means the rock. He is the rock, the foundation upon which God will build his church. Now there's a special sense in which Peter is the rock. Now he becomes the rock in, in some sense historically because he preaches the first sermon. He talks about the resurrected Jesus for the first time and says that this is the kingdom. Come be in the kingdom. And with that word, the church starts. Pentecost comes. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. The churches began. All right, in the same way, he, he comes and he, he brings the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. And he becomes this new race of people. It's not about Jew and Gentile. It's one people in Jesus. There's a new thing called the Christian who goes against all lines. He starts the church. In that sense, he, he, is, he is the rock. He is the foundation. But, all right, how did he become the rock? He became the rock because he had put faith in, in the actual rock. The actual rock, which he himself says in 1 Peter 2, is Jesus. Now he has plenty, of, he's, he's like talking about the rock. He's kind of philosophizing about it. And he doesn't spend the whole time talking about himself. Instead, he talks about Jesus. 
that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, that Jesus is the foundation of all of it. And that he's the rock only because he put faith in the, in the true rock. Because he is built upon Jesus. And then he goes on to say that actually everyone who is a believer becomes one of these living stones. That he became a stone through Jesus and we do as well. That you are actually living stones in the temple of God. And that God is using us to, to build upon this foundation, to build his church. Now, what is that? What do we care about that? Why do you care? All right, we have a mission here. We have a mission here that is fundamental to our identity that God is going to use this, this body of people to build his church. That a new generation of, of living stones is going to be built upon us. All right. Now, I don't want us to look this way. So, in, in the West Coast, in the West Coast, all right, on, in California, where I'm from, all the houses are made of stucco, and, and the, the roofs are tile, and it's a sunny, glorious thing. And there's this thing they don't do. They, they just build the house, and you're done with the house. All right, here on the East Coast, you build your house, and then you make a bunch of little rooms whenever you need more room. All right, we live in an old Victorian. Uh, we rent an old Victorian. We don't own it. We don't want to own it. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there's these weird little rooms that like stick off. And like they're clearly like they're not really part of the foundation. No one's building on top of them. And they're kind of inconsequential to the whole building. They look out of place. They're not, they're not part of the thing. All right, we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be part of like the whole building of God that they were part of the larger plan. They were part of the blueprint. Not, not that we're just like off on the side doing our own thing and we'll disappear. No one's going to be built upon us. All right, we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to do the mission of God. We want to be built into the temple. We want to be a vital part of it growing. All right, that's what it means to be living stones. That's who, who God calls us to be in Jesus. And we put our faith in, in the true foundation. We become part of that mission. Now I recognize that it's, it's hard to do that. Because that means we don't, we don't get to be on top. We need to support those above us. We need to draw people to become living stones. But there's great joy in that mission. That we glorify Jesus and we do that. All right, last one, last one. This third thing that, that Peter said, as Jesus says is true of Peter because of his faith, verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right, so because Peter put his faith in Jesus, uh, he has authority now. He has authority now. That Jesus says, here are the keys of the kingdom. And now you get, to, you get to stand at the gates and let people into heaven or not. All right, and we wonder, okay, like, why does Peter have that authority? He also say, he says that uh, he, whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That basically when Peter says that someone is forgiven, they are actually forgiven, not just on earth, but in heaven. 
And when Peter says that they are condemned, they are condemned on earth and in heaven. Now we wonder, like, we know Peter. He has no right having that authority. All right, he's kind of an idiot. All right, but, but, he has put in his faith in, in the Christ, the king and the priest. And he is so united to Jesus by his faith that now he becomes a king and a priest in the kingdom. And when he preaches that sermon in Acts 2, he does open the kingdom to people and he lets thousands of people in. And when he says you are forgiven, they are forgiven. They are forgiven by their faith in Jesus. He looses them on earth and in heaven as well. Now, that's, that's an amazing thing. And the even more amazing thing is that Jesus says, or that Peter, Peter himself says in 1 Peter 2, that we are the same thing. That we are a royal priesthood. That by our faith in Jesus, we become kings and we become priests in the kingdom of God. Now, we have no right to be that. We have no right to be kings and to be priests. But what happened is, Jesus came. And when Jesus died on the cross for us, we were anointed. We were anointed by the blood of Jesus. And we were perfectly washed. And we weren't just made okay in the kingdom of God. We were made so perfect and so cleansed that, that now we can go into the world and give people Jesus and they actually will be cleansed. And we can declare their sins forgiven in the name of Jesus. That their faith in him has saved them. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he became the king in the new kingdom. And we have risen with Jesus from the dead. That we're so united to Jesus that we have risen from the dead. We are resurrected people and we are resurrected kings. You are key, kings in the kingdom with, with the keys of heaven given to you. All right, today I give you the keys to the kingdom. And when you go and speak about Jesus, when you go talk about him as the God and his Christ and other people join you in that faith, you are opening the, king, the gates of heaven. And as you go out and do that, the, the power of hell cannot, cannot bind you. It cannot, we will, we will destroy heaven itself. That we have a role of building the kingdom. All right, that's kind of exciting. Yes, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> and, and that's who we get to be. Now, is that who you are? Has your faith in Jesus changed your name? Has it changed your authority? Do you feel like you're, you're a different person? Do you have a different mission? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who have you become? What is your mission here? Let's be the king's and the priests that we are called to be. Let's intercede for people. Let's give people the keys. Let's, let's build the kingdom of God together. Because we love Jesus and we want to see him glorified. And we want people to know him. Because we love Jesus. Let's go share with, Jesus, with the people who Jesus is. That they may join us on the mission. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we recognize that we have no right to be these things, but that as we put faith in the, in the true king and the true priest, that we are washed clean and we are, we are exalted with him. Father, thank you for, for this gift. Thank you for blessing us with the knowledge of Jesus. And Father, for those who don't yet know Jesus, I ask that, that you would open their eyes to see. Father, would they take seriously the, the question to, to ask, who do you say that I am? And Father, I ask that they would be changed, that we all would be changed by seeing Jesus as he is. Father, thank you for dying and for resurrecting that our sins may be washed away and that we may be exalted to be with you. Father, would you uh, use this church to build your kingdom that we may worship and we may glorify Jesus in